0: W.A.T.D. presents John Paul, the Car Doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the Car Doctor. Good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 W.A.T.D. Jesse and I always have a little bit of chit-chat back and forth about the weather and, uh, I, I don't know, stuff in general and uh, some someday we should uh, someday we should just keep everything on live all the time, and hear what pe- you know. Let people hear what we're really talking about. Now then, or, then they'll know how not smart we actually are. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kn- I know one thing. As as the uh, 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 part time meteorologist that you are, uh, and your forecaster. prediction of the, forecaster, forecaster, forecaster part time forecaster, or weather For, observer, fortune teller, right? Fortune teller, weather observer, yeah, weather,
1: weather observers or forecasters, meteorologists, they're, they're kind of like fortune tellers,
0: right? Uh, well, it seems, seems they're predicting to be that the future, way. yeah, yeah. No. yeah. I mean you're you're looking in a you're looking at a crystal ball to figure out what the weather is, I guess so. I am a fortune but, teller. No, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's we'll official. go with fortune teller. Yeah. That's what. That's uh, what I'll
1: introduce myself when I read the weather from now on. I'll just say, <laughs> "This yeah. is WATD's well, fortune teller."
0: We'll, we'll see what we'll see what Ed has to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the point of all of this nonsense is that the weather in New England. Uh, varies as much as any place i've ever been it's it's 45 degrees it's 50 degrees it's 12 degrees it's snowing it's not snowing it's raining we get a lot of rain we get a lot of
1: and that's just this morning
0: yeah exactly that's just this morning and when you think about going out in this bad weather Um, you have to think about the tires on your car. And the tires on your car are the only part of your vehicle that touches the road. So having good tires is important. And um, with us is Wes Bowling from uh, Nokian Tires. So, Wes, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. You just gave my sales pitch for me, so I think I'm good. I'm going to go back to my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Go go have go have a bloody mary somewhere and call it a day. Um, Perfect. But you know when you when you think of, when you think about you know how important tires are and you know and I've been a big proponent of if the weather sort of. I think there's a jimmy buffett song i want i want you know go where the weather suits my clothes kind of thing, but I think when you think about tires, you know if you're going to some place if you live someplace where it snows a lot or you travel someplace where there's a lot of snow it's really important to have good dedicated winter tires and I will admit um Nokian tires are a tire that I heard of back back in the uh must have been in the Late seventies, I worked in a tire store, and I remember mm-hmm. everybody that came in with a Volvo and a Saab had these tires with this uh, unpronounceable name. What was it? Hecka, Hecka, something or other. But they just used to call uh, them Heckas. Yeah. yeah. Hacapolita. Hacapolita. Haka yeah. <laughs> Hacapolita, and it's like, what the heck are those? And they're like, oh, they're the best. They're the best winter tire in the world. And this was back. This was back in the, uh, I don't know. It must have been the eighties or something. And you know, they just, people love these tires.
2: Yeah, they're they're a legendary tire. So we invented the winter tire in Finland back in the 1930s. And that Haka Polita name is the replication of a Finnish war cry. It means cut them down. And so what we're looking to do and what we've looked to do since the 1930s, first in Finland and now in North America as well, is to really, cut down the danger of those winter roads and to make sure that you don't have to think about the forecast when you go out to drive. If you have those winter tires, you're safe in snow, you're safe in ice, you've got the ability to navigate all seasons, but that's the thing. Winter tires aren't actually meant for anything besides winter, and so um, happy to talk about another option that we've got for drivers in a place like the South Shore, where it may be hard for some to justify those two sets of tires per year, we've worked hard in North America to come up with an alternative option that keeps you safe year-round, including in that snow and ice.
0: And, and, you know, that's one of the things, you know, you think about, you think about different types of tires, and and there are, you know, such a thing as summer tires, you know, tires that are really dedicated for summer performance cars, things like that. And I remember years ago, I was driving a a press car, it was an Audi A6, all-wheel drive vehicle, great vehicle. It had the tires on it that came on the car when it was shipped from California. And we got about three inches of snow. I left my driveway. I drove to the end of the kind of block where I live. And I turned around and drove the car back home because it was terrible. <laughs> it was There's absolutely yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it, and so well, in a summer tire, you know, you could also call it an all-season tire. Big marketing mistake made by our industry in like the 50s or 60s to call these tires all-season tires. Because you're right. Unless you live in a place like Arizona or South Florida, those all-season tires are really more like three-season tires. You need an answer, either a dedicated winter tire to get you through winter or a compromise option like the all-weather tire that we make that's going to keep you safe year-round because it's certified to drive in snow and ice. So you can drive that all-weather tire year-round. Here's the here's the dividing line for folks in the South Shore who are wondering. When the temperature goes below 45 degrees Fahrenheit, Even if there's not an ounce of snow or ice on the road, you are less safe because those all-season tires are going to lose their grip. They're going to harden like hockey pucks, and the colder it gets, the less safe they're going to be. When you add any precip to the road in addition to that in that cold weather, you're in trouble if you don't have the right set of tires, no matter what you drive. Four-wheel drive is not called four-wheel stop. (laughs) You know, you you still need that braking and that traction, and you're right. You're only as safe as, as the tires that you've chosen in those instances.
0: Right, and and you you brought up a good line that I'm going to steal that from now on. The four wheel drive is not four wheel stop, <laughs> uh, but yeah. you know, and, and it really is when you think when you think about it. Is you know even you know a good four wheel drive vehicle, all wheel drive vehicle will get you up the hill, uh, but coming down the hill, you you're not going to beat the law of physics. The law of physics is still going to be in play, and that vehicle that is in motion is going to remain in motion. Um, and it is really all about the type of tire you have. And you're absolutely right. One of the things that people forget about tires is rubber compound and how it changes in cold weather. And the same kind of thing. You you might go out and say, well, I have these tires on my car. They're supposed to be good. and they And they may be good. But when the temperature gets to you know like you said 45 degrees or down to freezing or whatever it is that rubber is going to get harder and it's not going to work as well as it does in 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 a dedicated all-weather tire and you know right now you you kind of let a little secret out of the bag that I'm not really on the south shore I'm in southwest Florida right now and the same all-weather tire I mean all-season tire that I would buy at the local tire store here is exactly the same all-season tire that I would buy living in Massachusetts but Mm -hmm. the weather is completely different.
2: It is, and so what I would recommend, we, we, we say this all-weather tire, this compromise option, mm-hmm. is for people like, like in your situation, who might you might visit Boston, right? You might visit winter, or you know maybe not in South Florida, but here where I live in, in Tennessee, winter visits us, right? Like we don't get a lot of snow or ice. I can't justify a dedicated winter tire here in Nashville, Tennessee. But you better believe, on my own you know Toyota Camry, where I have the all-season, I'm not driving that thing when it snows. I'm driving my wife's car. We've got the all-weather tires. Uh, she, her family is in Canada, and we visit, you know, during winter, and we know we're going to be okay in that snow and even in some slush and a little bit of ice because we we thought ahead. There's a tire dealer actually in Connecticut that I was talking with a couple days ago. Eighty-five to ninety percent of his sales come from that all-weather tire segment. I know Connecticut's not too far from from the South Shore, and his not drivers, at all. a lot of them say, "Look, you know that winter tire. That's an investment. I'm not ready to make. There's nothing safer in winter than a dedicated winter tire." But this all-weather tire, again, not all-season, but all-weather, is that compromise option for somebody who says, I'm not going to drive two sets a year, but I want something safer than what I'd drive if I lived in South Florida and wasn't expecting any snow. And that all-weather tire is going to keep you safe down into the, the, you know, the negative Fahrenheit degrees. It's going to keep you much safer in snow because it's got some compounds and some tread pattern stuff that, that is going to enable you to carve through that snow. And the way you know whether your tire is certified for all four seasons is you look for a snowflake on the sidewall. I'm sure you know this, John, but for your audience, it's the three-peak mountain snowflake. So it's a triangle kind of mountain peak-looking thing with a snowflake inside it. If you've got that, then your tire has at least satisfied minimum requirements for performance in winter weather, in cold, in snow, and we invented that segment just like we invented the winter tire. So, again, Nokian Tires is going to be your, your leader in that segment. It's worth spending an extra, what, 15 20 bucks per tire, to make sure you've got the safest option because the wreck is a lot more expensive than that.
0: Yeah. Now, if you could only come up with a tire that would handle hurricanes, I'll be all set. That would be great. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. Yeah. get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, on that one. Uh, but, you know, one of, the things, one of the things we look at when we look at um, tires, and I, I, you know, years ago, and, you know, I, I've been at, uh, I work at AAA. That's my full-time Job, I guess, and I've done that for thirty-eight years. But prior to that, I worked in tire stores. And when I look at tires, I look at them sort of, and I guess I look at them like I like a lot of guys look at stuff. I pick them up, I touch them, I rub them, I look at them. I, you know, I, and it, you know when I look at a Nokian tire, it it looks like a very well finished tire. And I noticed also something I've never seen before. It has this. Built-in treadwear indicator that tells you—you know—we all know that <laughs> tires have a tread bar on them, and when it gets down to that bar, we know they're down to two thirty seconds, and you should get rid of them. In fact, at AAA, we say when your tire gets down to four thirty seconds of tread, it's time to replace them because that wet weather—that wet weather traction just changes exponentially from. Um, you know, 4.30 seconds down to 2, so replacement 4. But your tires have a built-in tread indicator that tells you kind of the percentage of um, how much tire is left, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's patented. It's called our driving safety indicator. And if you look on the tread of our tires, several different spots on the tread, as you look kind of across the circle of the tire, you're going to see that where you've got 80, 60, 40 and then a, either a raindrop or a snowflake, depending on whether it's a, you know, a, an all-season or all-weather tire versus that winter tire. And yeah, once it gets to that 40 line, that's when we recommend people exchange. So you don't have to guess, there's not one indicator, you're kind of eyeballing, you can look throughout the life of that tire and know exactly how much tread you have left. The other benefit to that is, maybe you wonder if it's time to rotate your tires, you're not sure if you've done that. If you start seeing different tread wear numbers on different tires, you know you're getting some uneven wear. And that's something you're going to want to address at the tire shop. So it's just one example of kind of the extra steps that we take. Look, there are a lot of good tire makers out there, a lot of good tires you can buy. We don't want to be a good tire. We want to be the best tire. And that means being easy to use as well as being the safest option.
0: And uh, your tires and all tires today have tire treadwear ratings, and they have temperature and traction and and treadwear. And it would be nice if that treadwear rating was kind of, universal that okay i'm going to look at a goodyear tire it's got a treadwear rating of this versus a michelin versus a bf goodrich versus a bridgestone or firestone uh but it isn't it's kind of compares within the own, its own lineup right isn't that how that works yeah there's a decent amount of self
2: testing that goes on and we're all kind of held to to standards you know so you can generally trust those numbers but there is some variation I think our our biggest recommendation when it comes to tread wear, we have a couple of things. Number one, when in doubt, take it to the tire shop. You know, have a yearly inspection, as well as regularly checking for signs of wear, as well as always checking your pressure at least once a month. But number two is this. I think there's so much focus on treadwear and on mileage you can get out of the tire. Look, we want to make tires that last a long time. Our Nokian Tires 1 All-Season Tire will give you 80,000 miles on the warranty. But I think if we're only focusing on that mileage and on how much of that we can get out of that tire, we're not thinking about the moments we're going to need that tire the most. And I don't know about you, but if I'm skidding on ice or snow, in that moment I'm not thinking, I hope I can get 70,000 more miles out of this tire. I'm thinking, I hope I can get to the next mile with this tire. And sometimes these high, high mileage tires, they're going to be less responsive to the road. And it's important that we think about that balance point. Yeah, you want to get – several tens of thousands of miles out of those tires, but not at the expense of having a, a compound that's gonna be flexible enough to stop you or to, to swerve when you need to stop and swerve the most.
0: Yeah, it it really does make sense and it makes sense to try to kind of do the you know, get the best get the best tire for your car. Now when you think about tires, you think about, you know, different different types of tires for different kinds of cars. Does Nokian have performance tires? Say, you know, Jesse's got a Ferrari and he wants to uh wants to put a new set of tires on it. Um do you do you folks have performance tires as well as conventional all season, all weather and winter and dedicated winter tires?
2: We do have ultra high performance tires, um in kind of limited sizing to fit Mm -hmm. a very specific array of vehicles. So we do have that. Our focus though primarily has been on that wheelhouse of of safety and on, you know, making maybe tires that are going to fit a broader segment of the audience, and they're going to be really, really capitalizing on that safety. So, yeah, we do. We have the the Nokian Z line is, is a tire you can find at shops in places like California or Florida. Uh, but our focus is really going to be more on again that broader audience. So, so an all season tire like the Nokian Tires One is going to give you good performance. Again, it's what I have on my Camry. Can't say I'm exactly doing you know race courses on that thing. But it does the trick while giving you good durability and good safety as well. So our focus is a little more on the safety side of that, but we do also have that ultra-high-performance option for folks who want really a pure summer option. If you're living in Boston, though, and you're driving those, make sure you're switching those off in winter because they are not meant for for any kind of cold-weather driving
0: like you said there it 's an all season tire that really you know I remember when i guess i 'm old enough, I remember when all season tires came out, and sort of the line with all season tires were that they did about seventy percent as good as a snow tire, and we used the term snow tire back then in you know three to four inches of snow. The reality is, like you said, the rubber compounds aren 't there, the way the tread siping isn 't there there's there 's sort of a one size fits all and like anything one size fits all it should really be one size fits most because it really doesn't fit every single um incident or every single um use on the roadway today so uh, like yeah. like you pointed out you have you have these dedicated um, winter tires that have this huge following um and then you have you have an all weather tire that still has the has the ability to be uh, have that snowflake and that mountain mountain and snowflake range picture in there, which means that that tire is gonna that tire is gonna work in winter weather.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned that seventy percent number all season compared to winter. It's hard to put a number on it, but I might even estimate at this point that number is lower as. Winter tires have gotten more advanced. The, the deal for, for folks on the South Shore for me is this. If you've got the snowflake, you can feel good about forgetting the forecast. If you want ultimate winter safety, ultimate, ultimate winter safety, our non-studded Haka Polita R5 tire, which just came out this year, is going to give that to you. And I would recommend anybody who has the resources and the time just to change over those tires twice a year. Change to those winter tires when temperatures start getting around 45 degrees. Switch them back off for a good off-season tire like the Nokian Tires 1 when you get into you know March or the temperatures start to rise. But look, let's face it, we're not all going to do that, right? A lot of people want to have that one set of tires. If you have an all-weather tire, look for the Nokian Tires WRG4. It's the name of our all-weather tire. That's the one that I was talking about with that Kinetic, Connecticut shop owner uh, earlier. Yep. 90% of his sales are coming out of that one product because his folks in Connecticut, in the Northeast, are saying – I'm probably not going to switch to winter tires, let's be honest. But I want something that's going to keep me safe, that has that snowflake. It's a compromise option, right? Like, don't, don't think you can drive this on an icy lake and, and beat a studded tire in an ice race. <laughs> but if you're trying to get to work safely, if it's snowing, if the roads are kind of slushy, if it's 10 degrees outside, that's going to keep you safer, much safer than an all-season tire.
0: Yeah, it it really is. And I guess it really depends. It's personal choice on what you can afford. You know, prior to COVID, I was commuting about 100 miles round trip back and forth to work. And on 90% of winter days, it wasn't terrible. I could do it in, you know, a car with, you know, Traditional all season tires on it, but that other ten percent of the time, where you know I was heading out at you know six o'clock in the morning, and sometimes it was before the snow pliers were out, and it was it was uh, it was pretty dicey. And that's that if you're somebody who, you know, is kind of living that lifestyle and you have to be out having that dedicated winter tire, and like you pointed out, having the uh, the budget, having the place to put the tires and in today's cars we have to think about do we have to get an extra set of tire pressure monitor sensors to put in the wheels because if we have direct tire pressure monitors we need to get an extra set of sensors for those tires so it is a commitment but if you're driving safety is a priority and like you pointed out you have to drive a long distance well that's what you got to do Right, and I think
2: you make a good point there, that 90% of the time, no matter what, you were fine. You know, with an all-weather tire, we're making a purchase for that 10% while still respecting the needs of the 90% of the time that we're driving that car. Right. So that's where an all-weather tire is so useful, is you're covering yourself, like an insurance policy, for the 5 to 10% of the time when it is snowy and messy on the roads and the plows haven't done their thing. But you're still getting a tire that's going to last you 60, 65,000 miles. You can drive when it gets to 90 degrees, the godforsaken July heat, and not have to worry about that thing deteriorating. A winter tire, by the way, you want to take off. You know, before it gets too hot, it's going to wear like crazy. So that's where that all-weather tire is, that compromise option that is going to really respect all your needs. And our, our slogan with that, and I kind of led our conversation with it today, was this idea of forgetting the forecast. You don't have to worry. This is a tire that we sell to folks in Denver where it's you know maybe 40 degrees in the valley and it's you know 20 and snowing in the mountains you forget the forecast in boston where you know you get a nor'easter that comes in suddenly and catches you off guard and, and you still got to get to work cuz life doesn't stop forget the forecast that's the key is a tire that it helps you not have to think about your tires like i love talking about tires i recognize john that 99.9% of the population doesn't give a flip they want something safe that's black and rubber on their cars this is the tire that enables you not to think about your tires and that's the best thing we can say about it
0: there we go and uh, key and tires are available everywhere somewhere how uh, you know one of our one of our uh, kind of best friends in the tire business here is Sullivan tire and auto mm-hmm. service they they have they have locations all over New England uh, I, I assume you know I assume that if you want Nokia and tires you can go to your favorite tire store and say hey look this is what I'm looking for and they get them for you right
2: yeah, for the most part, that's correct. And Sullivan Tire is a customer of ours. If you go to com uh, on our homepage, we have a link to a dealer locator. And you can look at and type in your, your address, your zip code, and you can see the uh, the tire shops that are nearest to you that carry our tires. We will know which ones are affiliated dealers of ours, which sometimes have extra stock. But, yes, th- that's the key. Look it up. We're, we're available throughout the Northeast. Uh, our headquarters was previously, until a couple years ago, in Vermont. So right up the street there. Uh, so, strong retail presence. You can find us pretty much anywhere. But just, yeah, go to com. Not only can you search for our dealer locator there on the where to buy menu tab, you can also look at specific products and understand what might be right for where you live.
0: And and pretty interesting, too, that you, you built a big manufacturing plant in Dayton, Tennessee. I didn't even know there was a Dayton, Tennessee.
2: <laughs> and it was named after Dayton, Ohio, funny enough. Uh, yes, there is. It's in southeast Tennessee, about maybe two hours north of Atlanta. Little South of Knoxville, Go Balls. Um, and yes, we're making uh we're gonna be soon making as many as four million tires per year um there in Dayton. Not a single winter tire is made there. It's all, all season and all weather tires for the North American market. And not only that, it's it's one of the most advanced tire factories in the world and it's the most eco-friendly tire factory in the world as well. So if you care about sustainability, about companies who are doing their small part to help the environment. This is a LEED silver-certified production building, the only one in the world in the tire industry. So, yeah, making a lot of tires here, creating jobs, and making sure we're helping the economy as well as the environment right out of Southeast Tennessee.
0: And probably pretty good barbecue, too.
2: Incredible. There's a place right down the street from the factory called Momo's. Oh, man, you'll, you'll want to take a nap right after you eat there. That's the one warning. If you're ever in Dayton, Tennessee, go to Momo's, come to our factory, do it in the opposite order, though. if you want to take a nap after you eat that barbecue
0: Hey Wes, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday, or Sunday morning, and educating us about tires and how important they are, and why everybody needs a good set of all weather or winter tires on their car. I, again, I think it's so important that you know if if you can if you can put it in your budget and uh, you know look at the kind of driving you do. It is so important to put the right set of tires on your car that. Uh, that, uh gets you going, but also gives you that ability to, for your vehicle to handle and stop the way it should in poor weather conditions.
2: Thank you for having me. Couldn't agree more, and happy to come back anytime.
0: All right. Hey, Wes, thanks, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, maybe we'll talk again soon. You too. Thanks. All right. Take care. We need to take a break and, and pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number, if you want to call in, is 781-837-4900. When we come back, we're going to talk about the car that got me around a couple weeks ago. That's a 2023 yeah, 2023 Chevy Tahoe. And we'll talk about that when we come back. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Give us a call at 781-837-4900. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. You make it big in motorsports, but the real reward for most is the thrill of the adrenaline and the chance to hold the checkered
2: flag. I'm Miles Heger. The excitement and danger of motor racing are the reasons drivers love to race and why fans show up. Join me and my guests each week as we discuss the local short tracks while also sharing opinions and insight on NASCAR's National Series. Tune in to Miles on Motorsports Tuesday nights at 7 here on
0: 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the Car Doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. We're gonna have to we'll have to get Miles on one day to talk about motorsports racing. I mean, we have uh, you know we have our uh, our buddy uh, from uh, NHRA, Brian Loans, but you know talk about short track racing and stuff. That could be kind of interesting too. So um, you know, it should be fun. Uh so, I promised we'd talk about the the twenty twenty three chevy tahoe and uh despite the trend towards smaller cars and electric hybrid vehicles, those are looking for a big s u v still have a few choices, and there are still Quite a few choices for big SUVs in the market, including the Ford Expedition, the Nissan Armada, uh, the Stable Mate, I guess, to the Tahoe, the GMC Yukon, and the subject of our road test, the Chevrolet Tahoe. The Tahoe Tahoe is available in rear-wheel or four-wheel drive. It has, like all cars today, almost too many trim levels. It has six trim levels, LS, LT, RST, Z71, Premier, In high country, Uh, there's uh, quite a few engine choices, too. There's a 5.3-liter V8. Yes, they still make V8 engines that makes 365 horsepower and 383 foot-pounds of torque. A 3-liter diesel that develops 277 horsepower and a pretty astounding 460 foot-pounds of torque. And uh, the 6.2-liter V8 that develops 420 horsepower and 460 foot-pounds of torque. So about the same torque as the diesel engine. And, and you know, it wasn't that many years ago that 300 horsepower was an incredible amount of horsepower in a performance car. Now we're seeing 300, 420 horsepower in an SUV with 460 foot-pounds of torque. Oof. And that's not a turbocharged engine. That's just a regular, regular old... Big V8, and our road test was in this four-wheel drive with the 6.2 liter um, in a what I would call a near luxury trim, the RST trim level. Um, I usually drive a small SUV. You know, if you listen to this program before, you know I drive a Hyundai Santa Fe Sport. That's my regular everyday car. And uh, when I don't drive that, I drive even a smaller car. I drive a, a Volkswagen, and uh, I was surprised that Tahoe, although it looks big and it is big it doesn't drive as big as its size suggests yeah when you're you know parking in a tight parking space then it feels big again but kind of on the road it actually feels pretty athletic for its size and weight performance from the big v8 was surprisingly quick uh no one will ever confuse the tahoe with a uh, sports sedan it handles really well uh, for what it is, in part due to the independent rear suspension. Our test vehicle also came with an optional sport performance package, which included magnetic ride control. And that was a feature that uh, once was only found in Cadillacs or, you know, maybe even the Corvette, uh, so we have magnetic ride control and an SUV, which really helps uh, smooth the handling out and really improve the handling. Visibility from the driver's seat is good um, with very few blind spots, a little bit by the door pillar and the mirrors, but not not too bad. I think overall blind spots are pretty limited and you do sit up pretty high. The Tahoe can sit seat up to eight passengers and the front seats had, I don't know, a... I'm sure there's a number, but it seemed like a million different adjustments, so it should be able to accommodate drivers of just about any size. And like most almost luxury cars today, the seats were heated and cooled. The second row slides for extra uh, leg room, so if you put people in the second row, plenty of leg room back there. And the third row, and what I do when I road test a car is, you know, I, I really take vehicles off road because, you know, first off, I don't want to damage them because, well, I just don't want to. And uh, But I do try out every seat, and I crawled into the third row in this just to see, you know, is can adults really sit back there? Because in a lot of SUVs that have third rows, they're, they're more designed for kids or people that are really much more flexible than me. Uh, but I actually found the third row was a uh, uh, pretty comfortable actually. So adults can fit back there and behind the third row. And this is one of the things, unless you go with a bigger vehicle, like a Ford expedition L or a Chevy Tahoe, I mean, uh, I mean, a Chevy suburban, um, you know, sometimes you're sort of limited. Okay, I'm going to put six or seven people in this car, but where do I put their luggage? There isn't enough room. Uh, and this is actually behind the third seat with you know every, all the seats in use. There's still about 25 cubic feet of cargo space, which isn't bad. So at least you can carry things like suitcases and stuff like that. The controls are generally well placed and really happy with the mix of knobs and buttons rather than relying on the touchscreen. Um, I'm driving an Infiniti right now that has a little too much emphasis on the touchscreen, but I like the idea of knobs and buttons. It just makes it easier to use, especially um, if you're wearing gloves. It just makes it easier to be able to turn volume controls up and things like that. Even though most cars today have some redundant controls on the steering wheel, uh, you know, call me a little old-fashioned, but I tend to reach for the dash uh, to do things and I like to see buttons and knobs. Uh, All models of the Tahoe were equipped with a 10.2-inch screen that includes um, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and even in our vehicle Wi-Fi hotspot so you can you know if you have you know kids in the car and they're all have their tablets with them you can rather than burn up your own uh, cell phone plan with you know that might have uh, a limit on your high-speed Internet you can just use it on the Wi-Fi hotspot so kind of gives you a little bit extra choice our tester also had the optional Bose stereo and rear seat entertainment system which included two large displays mounted behind the front seats. Uh, overall I thought the infotainment system was uh was quite easy to master. Some sometimes I I stumble over some of these things because they're you know they're you sort of fight with it especially with the voice command system. Some are some are uh easier than others to use, some are a little bit complicated. Uh some just are stupid and don't work. This one, this one all seemed to work pretty good. Um, one of the things, again, I had a little bit of a problem with, but it, it after a while, I got used to it. Uh, I like traditional column shifters. I like, a, I like a shift lever. And it was replaced with a button arrangement on the dash, which after a couple of days, I got used to it. But still, there was a couple times I went to get in it, put my foot on the brake and kind of reached up as if I was going to put the shift lever into reverse and had to remember oh yeah i got to remember it's a push button thing again nothing wrong with it it's just a little bit a little bit getting used to the tahoe also had a push button start remote starting feature which is handy for cooling and warming the cabin before heading out um Remote car start, cheaper than a garage, I suppose. Uh, Decently sized glove compartment, plenty of cup holders, additional storage and door pockets and seat backs, all the places you would expect to find storage. Our tester also had the optional running boards, which made uh, entry and exit a little bit easier, easier to get in and out of the car. Uh, Vehicle safety was addressed with automatic emergency braking, front pedestrian braking, forward collision alert, front and rear park assist, and one of the best high definition rear vision cameras that I've experienced. Um, you know, you put this car in reverse, you get this crystal clear view of what's going on behind you. Now, my personal car, it was sort of the base model. It was kind of going back to the Nokia entire story. You know, I commuted a hundred miles ish back and forth to work driving from Abington, where I lived at the time, to Providence, Rhode Island, every day. And uh, typically, AAA didn't have snow days. So I wanted an all-wheel drive vehicle, and I wanted something in... You know, as it turned out, I had a little cottage on Cape Cod, so between the little house I lived in at Abington and a little cottage on Cape Cod, you were always doing some kind of home improvement project, so having a small SUV that had storage in it was good, and uh, this was my third SUV, but when I bought the Hyundai, I purchased it brand new, and it was a base model. It came, you know, it it had what I wanted, air conditioning, cruise control, heat, reasonably comfortable seats. Um... all-wheel drive and pretty decent fuel economy, and it did all of that. And I wasn't looking for a lot of extra features. Um, one of the things it was somewhat limited in was the backup camera. The backup camera works, but clarity is not that great. The display screen's not that good. Uh, it feels pretty dated when you look at it. Now it is. It's I guess 2023. It's five years old. Um, but compared to these new cars, that look like the very best. You know, home TV screens kind of in your dash. Uh, really, really good uh, backup camera and uh, just absolutely crystal clear, which was, which was nice. Uh, fuel economy was awful. Um, EPA rating of 14 miles per gallon in the city, 18 miles per gallon on the highway. Uh, according to the onboard trip computer, I averaged a little bit over 15 miles per gallon. Uh, premium fuel is recommended for maximum performance. No, not required, but recommended for maximum p- performance. The 2023 Tahoe is by Chevrolet is not for everyone. But if you need a strong, capable SUV that can seat up to eight adults, tow 8,400 pounds when properly equipped, it's a very good choice. Um, And it was was a vehicle that, when it was in my driveway, attracted an awful lot of attention, uh, really probably more attention than the uh, Ford Bronco that i was driving afterwards and the bronco was the kind of the i mean not that there was anything wrong with the bronco the bronco was the everglades sasquatch edition so really set up for off-road kind of stuff but the tahoe everybody that went by it stopped and said hey that's a beautiful looking car and some of it was color some of it was it was it was a a, a really pretty color too so uh all of that together so if you're somebody who needs to put people in a car Fuel economy is not quite as important. You want that all-wheel drive feature. You want to be able to tow a boat or a camping trailer. You you want to have a reasonable amount of cargo storage. You, want, you still want a, a V8 engine. You're somebody who says, you know what, I've looked at the other cars, twin-turbo V6. I know it probably makes the same amount of power and performance, but I want a V8. The Chevrolet Tahoe is a good choice, so you might want to take a look at it. Our phone number 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900 is how you get through and talk to us about your car and your car problems. And what I like to do is kind of go to uh, you know some of the th- some of the things that you know some of the questions that I've been getting in uh over the past week or so, so always, always kind of fun to kind of look at those questions and 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 I like to actually and in a lot of cases I haven't written the columns yet, so I like to kind of go over the answers with, with um, with with everybody uh, and uh, and you know one one of the questions I got which. I hadn't heard as much of a problem. Uh, Someone wrote to me, and they said, and they were from the Midwest somewhere. So they're reading the column online. Maybe it was in boston.com where you can find my column. Um, There's uh, online, uh, you can find my column in a series of uh, New York newspapers, the Saratogian, uh, the the paper up in Troy, the paper up in Oneida, Um, not online unless you have a subscription. You can find my column in Long Island Newsday. Uh, You can find it there, or you can find it in the Providence Journal. And sometimes it pops up on Yahoo's homepage. So if you go to Yahoo News, it will pop up. I didn't see it today. I didn't get a Google alert about it today, so maybe it didn't run today. Maybe it wasn't interesting enough for Google. But um, somebody says they have a 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Which is, which is generally a pretty nice vehicle. And they have the 3.6-liter V6 engine. It has 103,000 miles on it. They're about to put their fourth radiator in the car due to a problem with it leaking. The first radiator was covered under warranty. Others were out of pocket. Uh, in the letter here, it says uh, Jeep knows they have a, a systemic problem with design being partially plastic, but they're not doing anything about it based on my experience this definitely will be my last jeep my question is there are all aluminum radiators out there do you have uh, do you know of one that's been successfully used to replace jeep's plastic junky radiator the last radiator lasted 23000 miles well today just about every car has a combination of a plastic side tank and an aluminum core radiator so what may be wrong is whoever the jeep manufacturer now if you're using the factory jeep part over and over again maybe it's whoever their manufacturer is uh but most cars today have including the you know most expensive cars on the market have uh, this combination of plastic and aluminum radiators the the old idea of a brass radiator and brass core um just really doesn't exist anymore except in you know, big heavy-duty trucks maybe, uh, but in typical cars are aluminum cores with plastic tanks, and most of them usually hold up pretty well. The idea that you're only getting 20,000 miles out of a radiator before you need to replace it may be an indication something else is wrong with the car, and I assume you bought the car brand new, so there was no collision that could have put extra stress on the way the radiator mounts, or there's... Uh, you know, worn engine mounts that could be yanking on a radiator hose, causing causing the radiator to break, or a teenage son that uh, that takes takes it off road and you don't know about it, which could also cause a radiator to fail. Um, but uh, you know, I I kind of looked around and I did find one source online that had a fully aluminum radiator, so aluminum side tanks and um and an aluminum core. I also went to Summit Racing, where I expected they would have it, but their replacement radiator is a replacement, they called it a premium radiator, aluminum core with plastic tanks still. So, not terribly different, maybe, than the one you already have, but one that is, um, you know, maybe a different design, and maybe it will hold up a little bit better. Um, The one that I found online that was all aluminum um, was only a couple hundred bucks, so I think... Uh, that would be maybe the one that I would try. The other thing I, was, I would do is go to Jeep forums and see what other people are using. i didn't I looked up technical service bulletins. there wasn't anything about repeated uh, radiator failures. There was something about concerns about using anything but Chrysler 5050 mix coolant. They have a concern about using well water and uh, tap water for uh mixing with the coolant that could cause some issues with uh seals especially in the water pump but maybe it's causing some issues with the radiator too something that uh something i wasn't you know i uh, which certainly can happen but i think if i've been putting four radiators in a car i'd spend 200 bucks for an all-aluminum radiator and give it a shot um And again, check the Jeep forums. I didn't see much. I looked at JeepGarage.com, which is a pretty good Jeep forum. I didn't see much that really looked looked like there was a a good answer for this. And also, I didn't see a ton of um, complaints about it. I did see some comments about uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee with radiator failures. But uh, somebody mentioned that right out of the box, they saw some issues with Uh, with radiator failure so um, maybe it was a supplier issue of some sort Uh, someone else writes in they have a 2006 chrysler pt cruiser convertible i had one of those and it uh, trembles when they accelerate through the gears in the past few weeks it actually ran smooth for three days now back to trembling when accelerating what could it be uh, probably the most common is just lack of maintenance. Uh, spark plugs do need to get replaced periodically. Ignition wires and ignition coils can fail over time. And who knows, uh, you know, how long the spark plugs have been in this. Um, typically, they can last a really long time, but they may have been in there. And sometimes what happens is, you know, if it's running okay and people say, "I'll oh, think about putting a set of spark plugs in it, they open up the hood and go, where are the spark plugs? Well, on this model, you have to take the intake manifold off. So you have to kind of unbolt the intake manifold, kind of lift it off to one side. Uh, it's not as terrible a job as it looks, um, but it is kind of daunting at first. You look at it, and you're like, what do I have to do? And, you know, ideally, you know, put a new um, O-rings on for the intake manifold. Although I think I did mine on the PT Cruiser convertible that my wife drove and just reused the old ones and put it all back together. It ran fine afterwards. Uh, but the other thing they mu- you might want to consider, again, depending on miles on the car and how it's driven, this engine, the base engine in this, which this car has, uh, uses a timing belt. And the timing belt uh, is not a pretty thing to replace it's about a six hour seven hour job to put a timing belt in and if i was going to put a timing belt in this car i'd also put a water pump in this car because you're right there at the same time um and because it's so labor intensive because they did not make this easy to work on uh it is it is sort of an east west engine so it mounts sideways there's not a lot of room between the fender well and where the timing cover and timing belt is or the water pump so Uh, If you're going to spend the $1,000 labor to uh, replace the, probably even more now, probably closer to $1,200 labor to replace the timing belt, I'd replace the water pump at the same time and get that taken care of. So uh, get that done. And I'll do do one more here. uh, With the possibility of having very cold weather, should I put dry gas in prior to a fill-up? Well, dry gas. I guess dry gas is still around. Dry gas was a trademark from a company called Christie's. It was called Christie's dry gas. Uh, we refer to it as gas line antifreeze because that's what it really is. Uh, there is different kinds of. Um, there are different kinds of gas line antifreeze. There are some that are um, made with uh, um, isopropyl alcohol. Some are made with uh, methanol alcohol and we also have um, ethanol alcohol in our gas. So, depending on what you're trying to do with it, there's a product called heat which is a type of a gasoline antifreeze. It usually uses isopropyl alcohol, which the idea of that is a little chemistry, I suppose. One of the types of alcohol just mixes with the water that could be in the fuel and it makes it more combustible. So it kind of mixes it all, mixes with the fuel and it makes it combustible. When you mix it with isopropyl alcohol, it mixes with the water and the fuel and then that mix of alcohol and water mix with the gasoline. So one gets it kind of out in a weird slug of water and, and, and a gasoline antifreeze. The other one mixes it all together, which is the way I would prefer to get the alcohol out of the fuel. So do you need to, uh use this stuff in bad weather, not really, in my opinion, unless you did something like you you left the gas cap off, so you left the gas cap off, the gas door open, it rained, or it snowed, and moisture got in there, or you heard for some reason that the gas station where you usually fill up had some kind of water um you know water intrusion into their tanks, and different story then you might want to use something, but for the most part um Unless the water comes out of the pump, gas tanks, especially metal gas tanks, just like everything else that's made out of metal and temperatures change, condensation can build up because of the change in temperature. And if you could see the inside of a gas tank during condensation, during uh, temperature changes, condensation will build up. It'll, It'll literally little bubbles of water... Or little drops of water will form on the inside of the gas tank. And then they'll drip into the gas. And you can end up with water in the gas. And that water in the gas can end up, besides making the car not run as well as it should, in really cold weather, it can cause a gas line freeze-up. So that stuff still does happen. So how do you avoid it? Keep the gas tank full. Keep the gas tank in, in really bad weather. Try to fill the gas tank. And if the weather's going to get really cold, fill the gas tank. Keep the gas tank full. And that the upside of that is um, you're always leaving the house with, you know, a gas tank that's three-quarters full. So if all of a sudden you're out and you're driving to work one day, and we get a freak snowstorm, and you're stuck in traffic for three hours. You're stuck in traffic with a fairly full tank of gas, and you're not all of a sudden causing more traffic jam by running out of gas. The average person on the road, kind of in a non-scientific study, uh, drives around with about a quarter of a tank of gas most of the time. Jesse, how much gas is in your gas tank right now? Uh, full radar. Right oh, see, yeah, be, be the one that screws up my survey. I'm sorry, what was that? I uh, said, so be the one who screws up my survey by not driving around with a quarter of a tank of gas, like most people do. Oh, yeah. I have a quarter of a tank of gas. Well, there you go. Thanks. I appreciate that. But most people do actually drive around with about a quarter of a tank of gas in their car. That's why uh, sometimes what happens is uh, there'll be a uh, rumor of a gas shortage, and people go fill up their tanks. And all of a sudden, they fill up the tanks, and there's a, there becomes a gas shortage because gas stations... Um, kind of rely on this repetitive thing of how much they get gas, you know, gas deliveries. And if everybody who normally drives around with a quarter of a tank all of a sudden drives around with, you know, goes and says, I better fill up, all of a sudden there's a perceived gas shortage because the gas station may may have run out of gas because locally there was an issue. Back when the uh, pipeline broke, uh, there were gas shortages um, in Florida, I remember seeing the pictures of it. Gas stations were running out of gas. Well, that pipeline didn't even service Florida. Uh, Florida gets its gas from container ships. So, But people were concerned that they were going to run out of gas, and it was totally made up and it was totally driven by social media, which is kind of crazy. So, um, so bottom line, keep your gas tank full. You won't, need to, uh, you won't need to do anything more than keep the gas tank full, and you won't, you won't need to buy a gas line antifreeze. Somebody wrote in. They have a Nissan Rogue that has sixty thousand miles on it. They went into the dealership for a sixty thousand mile uh, or asked about a sixty thousand mile service. The dealership's quoting about a thousand dollars with tax. Uh, they're considering taking it to an aftermarket shop, uh, which could be cheaper. Any thoughts on recommendations for any aftermarket for any automotive shops? Um, Well, certainly, you know, any good shop can can use All Data or Mitchell On Demand or one of those services and be able to, or the owner's manual for that matter, and look and see exactly what needs to be done. A 60,000-mile service on a Nissan Rogue, it is a bunch of checking things, checking brakes, checking tires, checking tire rotation. You know, do the tires need to be rotated? But the things that actually need to be done at a 60,000-mile service, according to Nissan, an oil change, a brake fluid change, which 10 years ago, no one ever thought about changing brake fluid, but a brake fluid change, and we've found at AAA that changing brake fluid is beneficial every four years or so, so it certainly can't hurt to do it. Uh, Changing air filters and um, cabin air filters in this Nissan, it it recommends that. Uh, It also, interestingly enough, at the 60,000-mile service, they recommend changing the battery in the keyless remote. Uh, So if you have two two fobs, which most people do, replace the battery in the fobs, it's going to make the fobs work longer with less issues. Uh, They must have had some issues with the batteries if they recommend that as preventative maintenance. So pretty, you know, not really complicated as far as repairs that need to be done. So how does it get up to $1,000? Well, it could be the dealer has their own set of recommendations on top of what Nissan recommends. And I have seen that before. In fact, there was a uh, a Toyota dealer um, that advertised, which I thought was a little bit of a kind of a almost an awkward way to advertise it, but they advertised something basically like, um, we only do the factory-recommended maintenance. So they don't do anything extra, which... Uh, it just seemed odd but it seems like that should be exactly what they do they do the factory recommended maintenance so there isn't a recommendation of you know adding some kind of uh, pour in fuel injector cleaner which uh, someone wrote to me last week and said the dealer wanted to add this fuel injector cleaner for twenty-nine ninety-five as part of the 30,000 mile maintenance on their vehicle uh, they they passed on it and they wanted to know what I thought about it and and I looked up the product they were using cost Nine ninety five. And so it was gonna you know, is it a good product? Sure, it was a great product. Um did you wanna pay twenty dollars to have somebody open the bottle and pour it in the gas tank? Seems kind of silly and not recommended one way or the other by the vehicle manufacturer. So can you use it? Yeah. Did it cause any harm? Nope. Uh is it an issue you should think about? Well, always ask the question, is this what it says in the owner's manual? Is this what I need to do? And do the work that needs to be done. As far as finding a good repair shop, they want to know any thoughts or recommendations on a repair shop, go to AAA.com slash repair, and you can find AAA-approved repair shops in your area easy enough to do. Um, AAA.com slash repair. I think take, uh, we need to take another yeah. break. Very good. Why don't, we, why don't we take that break before Jesse yells at me one more time? <laughs> Uh, Why don't we take a break? You're listening to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. South Shore Hockey fans,
2: please join us every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for the Ted Donato Show, Ted Talks Hockey, on 95.9 WATD. Sponsored by the Kaskin Flyer.
0: Well, that music almost made, sounded like I had to leave, but I don't have to leave yet. I have five more minutes. And if you want to call in and ask a question in the next five minutes, phone lines have been mysteriously quiet the last couple couple weeks. Uh, you hanging up on people, Jesse? What's going on?
1: No, it's just the uh, overall impending doom of the Patriots game today. Oh. Yeah. Now,
0: uh, I think we've discussed I'm not a sports fan. Now, the time I was in the studio, I think you had, like, did you have like sports on two different computers or something? I may have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, but the Patriots need to win today to be in the playoffs, right? Kind of. Or a whole bunch of other teams need to lose.
1: Yeah, but they're they happen to be really bad teams who could very well lose anyway. So I think I believe, and I might be wrong about this. So if the Patriots win, they're in. If they lose, uh, the Dolphins and the Steelers could lose as well. And if they lose, I think the Patriots are still in. But. Ah. Um not entirely sure about that, but the Steelers are bad, and the dolphins are playing with their third string quarterback against a good jets defense I believe today so um you know, but for what you know the patriots <laughs> make the playoffs uh they're just going to get smoked anyway, so you know but we'll we'll keep uh keep the hope alive i guess All
0: right. well, i guess so um you know i I remember years ago i think i think it was the uh the Red Sox were in the playoffs and I knew somebody who was working the Red Sox games and he goes, I wish they would just lose and get it over with. I'm getting tired of traveling and staying up, staying up late and doing all that. So I, but I guess for true Patriots fans and uh, where I am in Florida is, you know, I, I don't think I've made it a secret that I'm not in Marshfield today. Uh, But there is, there is literally a bar across the street from where I live that has that you walk in and you think you're in, any sports bar on the South Shore because there's Patriots stuff hanging up, Red Sox stuff hanging up. And I walked in, I said, Who who exactly I'm confused? And they went, Oh, the woman who owns this is from Salem, Massachusetts. So I said, Ah, oh, that explains it. So I ah, love Salem. Uh, we have Tom yeah. in line. Do we? Well let's go let's try to get to Tom real quick while he's there. Good morning, Tom. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Back up in the cold again, huh? uh well you know it's it's cold in Florida today it's it it, it was uh it was uh forty six when I got up this morning
2: yeah but for ten minutes you know <laughs> <laughs> it has
0: improved. i'll get right i'll get right to it um i always
2: they always tout um getting the sales tax back like when you trade in a car isn't there a way to do that uh, without the dealership 'cause you you pay the taxes to begin with
0: no, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts wants you to wants you to pay the tax twice. They want you to pay the tax when you first bought the car, and then if you decide to, you know, sell it to you know, sell it to me, um, then you take that money and you put it towards a new car, and then you pay the sales tax again. So what some people will say, well, tra- trade in the car, and that way that. That price goes towards the new car, and you're not paying as much sales tax on the new car. So it does sort of sort of make sense, providing you get a good trade-in. So, but yeah, unfortunately, the Commonwealth's not going to let you give you a rebate on the sales tax. Hate to say. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye bye. -bye. Well, that music now officially means that I have to go Um, next week. I believe we might be talking about headlights with the people from Sylvania Ostrom. Uh, That hasn't been confirmed yet, but I think that might be the case. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, please slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.